Hi everyone, welcome to the Birthing at Home podcast. I'm Elsie, your host. I've had two home births in April 2020 and recently in June 2023. I'm a mental health nurse and an ex-student midwife that still has a strong passion for birth and supporting women. I have many hobbies, including cycling and more recently, sewing. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land that I'm recording on in Nam, Melbourne, Australia. I would also like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been birthing at home, on country, for tens of thousands of years prior to the British invasion and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. Thanks for tuning in for this first episode. The whole idea of starting a birthing at home podcast came about when I myself was looking for home birth stories from women in Australia. I searched various platforms and had to scroll through various podcasts to find the stories of births at home, both home births and free births. I also felt that although less than 1% of women in Australia have home births, that is still hundreds of women who have the power to promote change through storytelling. I personally have found a lot of empowerment, inspiration and motivation from listening to others' birth stories from all over the world. So I aim to provide a space where more women can share their stories of birthing at home in Australia. I hope you gain all of that from this podcast. The episodes will be about 60 minutes each where I hear from mums about their journey to choosing to birth at home and of course their amazing labour and birth stories. If you would like to share your story, I would love to have you on the podcast. Please reach out to me at birthingathome underscore a podcast on Instagram. So let's get started. So Chantel, this is actually the time we're recording this because it was glitching. Um, but this is our first episode of the Birthing at Home podcast. I'm really excited to have Chantel uh, as my first guest today. Chantel, do you want to start off by giving it a little overview of who you are, who's in your family? Yeah. Um, so I'm Chantelle. I am a mum to two beautiful boys. I have a partner, Pat. Um, I have been an accountant for many years, uh, but I am shifting gears and I'm actually a student midwife myself at the moment. Uh, I So it's kind of good to have had babies and now I'm on the other side of things um, being a student. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, and as a disclaimer, Chantel was my student midwife for my most recent home birth in June uh, this year, 2023. So I'm so excited to have Chantel on. Uh, I feel like that's one of the reasons why you and I kind of connected so well, Chantel, is because that you had experienced what I had experienced um, in terms of birthing at home. So I'm really excited to hear your story. So um, do you want to start off by giving us a brief overview of your first uh, birth? Because I know that that wasn't a home birth, right? Yes. So my first, Noah, he was born 2019, just before COVID hit. Um, He was born in a hospital. Um, I had a bit of a traumatic first birth. Uh, which I think is kind of unfortunately pretty common with um, people that decide to have subsequent home births. Uh, I had spent a lot of my pregnancy preparing myself for birth as much as you can, having never done it before. 
doing all the classes, doing like hypnobirthing, writing extravagant birth preferences, kind of just knowing that I was going into a system um, that may not trust me, I guess, uh, and my ability to birth. Um, And unfortunately, things kind of didn't go as I would have hoped. And I did experience a bit of trauma um, surrounding that birth with the way that I felt I was treated. Um, So basically, during my pregnancy with Noah, I did consider home birth a few times, but um, I kind of just didn't I guess didn't know enough about it and was probably just a bit naive about um, birthing in our maternity system. Um, But basically as soon as I'd had Noah, like literally like within the 24 hours, I was like, any more babies we have, I'm having at home. Um, You won't be able to get me into a hospital again. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely necessary. So the decision for a future home birth was kind of made at that point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then... So I, I just have a question. Yeah. So how did how did you find out about home birth? So like, well, even the preparation that you did with Noah, like yep. where did that kind of come from? Because I've um, also a disclaimer that I've been a student midwife as well um, and I'm not a qualified midwife, um, but I know so many women that when you say home uh, hypnobirthing, they're like, whoa, like what is hypnobirthing? Like are you being hypnotized? <laughs> um but like how did you come across like I guess the knowledge that you needed to kind of educate yourself um yeah so um I guess like you can't I just it was kind of just the natural process of researching I suppose I started like podcasts and books and like I guess the more you read and the more in-depth you get the more you come across these things Um, and I think it was a friend actually who was also pregnant at the time recommended a online hypnobirthing class that's run by a company in the UK actually and it's all online yeah online videos and so she suggested that and they had like a sale at the time so I ended up downloading it and watching the videos with my partner which yeah Watching with your partner, I think, is such a good thing to do because it educates you both. And, you know, education around birth for women, I feel like, is so poor, but for men is even more poor. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff you learn over the years is just like stories and a lot of them are horrific. So people just come into it thinking that, you know, birth is this dangerous thing Um, when you watch these videos and you understand and learn things, you understand all this pain is necessary and it's all part of the process and it's a little less scary when you have a bit more of an understanding yeah Uh, but home birth specifically I kind of learned about when um I did like just the basic antenatal course with the hospital um at the time and I just felt like it wasn't enough to prepare me so I started looking for some more and I found a private midwifery group in Melbourne that ran um antenatal courses for people you didn't have to be using their uh, services you could just pay for the course and we decided to do that because it was local to us and that's where they talked about the services they were offering they went around the room and asked what how what birth people were having and I remember there being like one woman in the class that said that she was doing a home birth and I was just and it was her first baby and I was just like wow she's amazing <laughs> good on her for being so yeah like, you know And that's when things started kind of ticking in my mind, like, wow, you can actually have home birth, that's a thing, you know, what are these private midwives, what are they doing? And, you know, started looking 
things and learning. I ended up um, hiring a private midwife as a birth support. So I guess they kind of assume a a doula role, um, but they're still like a qualified midwife. Um, Yeah. And they supported me during my first birth. Uh, I guess that kind of opened my uh, mind to what's available out there in the world of private midwifery, I suppose. Yeah. And um, if the midwife was kind of employed in that just uh, sort of um, birth support role, so did you have any like antenatal appointments with her or just she, you kind of met her and then like how did that work? Uh, yeah, I did end up doing kind of both. I was having antenatal care at uh, the hospital I was birthing at and also with the private midwife. Um, yeah. Just so I guess like they can – it's all about continuing care still. Yeah, yeah. Right? So she was learning about me. I was learning about her, learning about, you know, my preferences, my, you know, all of that kind of stuff leading up to birth, I guess, yeah. in a support role that knowing that person and building that relationship is still so important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I just want to go back to that point about hypnobirthing. We... Uh, also did hypnobirthing for my first um, home birth and yeah I would um, say a very similar thing that the hypnobirthing was kind of more for my husband more for me than for me Um, and yeah maybe it needs to be called something different to hypnobirthing because I feel like it carries um, like connotations that that it's like you know about hypnosis and like in some ways like I just think hypnosis gets a bad rap anyway but yeah yeah anyway you're right whenever you speak to someone like are you doing any hypnobirthing courses they're like oh no I'm not you know I'm not like that and it's like actually it's just more about mentally preparing yourself isn't it like yeah and getting some skills like I think there's um the majority of people out there don't really think about what's going to happen um, at the labour and at the birth until they're actually pregnant. So they've like they don't know like how to support. Like it, it's like getting ready for a race and like looking up to the race and being like, okay, well, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> like if you've not got some tips and tricks, then it's even more difficult. Um, but that's awesome. So did you do uh, any? Um, birth education prep like that for your second for Benjo um honestly I think I just was like I'm good <laughs> yeah 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 probably yeah. not the best thing I may have watched some videos from the the hypnobirthing I think I still had access so I think I remember like re-watching some of the ones that I felt like was important yeah um, just maybe like managing pain during labor and stuff like that. Um, but I think actually I spent a lot of my pregnancy with Banjo um, kind of more preparing for the potential that something might trigger um, me to be worried or fearful or anxious because of the trauma I'd experienced the previous time. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was meeting with birth counsellors and debriefing about my birth the first time, learning what may trigger, you know, me to be fearful because, you know, being fearful in labour is so detrimental to the process. um, Yeah. That I was, I think I was just more focused on that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
rather than um, the re-going over the, the stuff. Redoing education kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah I <laughs> would agree with that, like, in my second experience as well, kind of like once you've been through it, you kind of, I think the first time you kind of don't know what you don't know and yep. then when you know what you don't know, then you know, like, what to look out for and you can kind of direct yourself in the ways that you actually need help like if you need to hear more um success stories or if you need some more pain management tips like yeah yeah yeah. so you had um noah you tried to prep as best you could for noah in the hospital system Mm -hmm. uh even employing a midwife to kind of support you on that journey as well and then unfortunately like so so many women uh in australia uh you had a traumatic experience with Noah uh, and then you were able to connect with counsellors and um, whoever to debrief that but you decided after Noah that second time around it was not going to be in hospital that is that right yeah yeah pretty much within like the first like day or week or whatever I was like I'm never going back into a hospital for birth again unless it's like life you know saving yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. But I'm so excited to hear uh, about Banjo then. So um, you found out you were pregnant with Banjo. When did you start looking at, uh, like, what did you, you, I think you had a private midwife again, is that right? Yes. So as soon as I got that positive pregnancy test, because we were in COVID, everyone was having home births. I knew that it was kind of like, got to be on top of this or else I'm going to miss out. Um, Messaged the midwife I had as the birth support uh, from the last time, which is great, you know, continue of care. This is commonly what happens if you've had a midwife before and they're still practicing, you can just message them and they know you and, you know, you kind of can get... um, get the ball rolling quite early so I just messaged her and said hey pregnant again want a home birth what do I need to do basically yeah 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 and so she basically like was like yep I'll put your spot in we'll wait until you've had your first scan um and then we'll start having appointments Uh, yeah that's basically how it went um this first part was pretty straightforward just you know the normal antenatal care that you would have um, with any birth, uh, with any pregnancy really, like at hospital or shared care or whatever. So yeah. um, that's kind of where we went. And then we kind of hit a bump in the road probably around 26 weeks where my midwife told me that she was going to be taking leave long term. Yeah. And wouldn't be able to support me any further in my birth, um, pregnancy and birth. So, yeah, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, what a hit. Um, and we're in the middle of COVID and I was pretty far along and I knew that everywhere would be booked out. Um, yeah. Obviously a bit stressful. Uh, yeah. Either facing the the reality of maybe having to go back into the hospital or potentially free birthing if I couldn't um, find a midwife. I was, you know, obviously a bit all over the place, Um, you know, and I have a good relationship with that midwife still and, like, I understand her reasons for um, 
stopping practicing and like I would never hold that against her as as hard as it was for me Um, yeah 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 so basically they had some new people coming on in the practice that were going to pick up uh, my midwives um load yeah and so she kind of had a few there was like a appointment or two where we crossed over where I had her and the new midwife that would be caring for me and things seemed to be going okay yeah and then my midwife left and I started having appointments solo with the the new midwife and we just weren't um having that connection yeah that and that's fine. You don't always connect with the midwife that you are and, you, you know, everyone's in there. Um, I mean, you can't get along with everyone. And it, like, yeah, like woman to midwife is the same thing. Just because you're, yeah, they're patient doesn't mean you're going to connect. So but yeah. it is so important, as you say. Yeah, so I was just a bit starting to get a bit fearful and I suppose like a lot of the issues that cause trauma in my first birth were related to like abandonment during birth and I was just starting a lot of that was starting to come up so I was kind of in a fearful state um and then so I just started looking for other midwives there was no one else that could take me on at the practice that I was um booked into so I just started searching for other private midwives yep luckily found two different midwives or that were like willing to take me on at such a late stage and I'll be forever grateful for both of them for offering a spot yeah and I ended up picking one that was closer to home because I was again really fearful that the one that was further away might miss it and then I would feel that abandonment Abandonment. Yeah. yeah so because I was so stressed about that I ended up picking the midwife that was um a lot closer to my house yeah um, that makes sense I think yeah. yeah and then we it was like speed dating from that point on yeah 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 because <laughs> you know I was like by the time that like you know I'd contacted them got appointments met them got a feel for things I was closer to 28 29 weeks at this point and yeah you know knowing that my first came at 38 weeks so oh my gosh you know the fear the stress yeah to get things under control um so yeah I um started having appointments we had a few extra than what you would normally have through those gestations just to try and get the relationship built yeah Um, but I felt safe um with her and yeah you know supported and all that kind of stuff so um leading up to birth everything was kind of looking good again after a bit of a a bit of a roller coaster there (laughs) yeah oh my gosh um the resilience um (laughs) but just to um uh clarify as well so um before it was with uh, a midwifery group practice is that correct um it was like a private midwifery company that has like yeah the midwife that you ended up choosing was she like would you classify her as like an independent midwife or was she a so yeah so she was independent midwife so it was just her um I contacted her and then she organizes just like other midwives that um she trusts to support her as a backup midwife she has like a little pool of them that all kind of do their own thing yeah Um, so she organizes all that and I met the backup midwife a few times um which was all good but yeah it's just her basically yeah amazing um and so what was um pat and noah like what how like how old was noah when this was all happening 
Uh, so Noah turned two basically two weeks after Banjo was born. So yeah. he was like, I was watching um, watching birth videos with him, um, badass mother birther on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, 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 I'll have to check it out. I want the raw stuff. I want the stuff. Yeah. It's, you know, women vocalising and I want to prepare him for the the loudness that a birth can be and yeah. not scared. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching those really raw videos of women, you know, being very vocal and, yeah. you know, he was loving it. He was like, baby coming, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> so cute. Like, very small vocabulary at that point, but you yeah. know, never we he would you know often sit with, with me on the couch and like ask to watch baby videos. So oh you know, my gosh, that's so adorable. <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah. So yeah, I think like Pat, um, he probably had his own work to do, like mentally about preparing for the realities of his partner birthing at home. He. Yeah. As a bystander, he found the hospital experience very confronting and he saw the aftermath of it, I guess. He saw, you know, the postnatal anxiety and depression that came with the trauma that I experienced. He yeah. saw firsthand just the trauma playing out. Um, yeah. You know, so, and he was also a bit traumatised by the way that we were treated uh, with Noah's birth. So, there was no point where he was like, I want you to go to a hospital because I'm fearful. Yeah. He knew that that wasn't the best place for us and he also, like, trusted my body. Um, but I still think, like, in our, you know, Western culture that's quite medicalised and then him coming from a family of medical professionals as well, it was a bit for him to get over that hump to feel 100% comfortable with the idea. But I'm very strong-willed and there was no way that his opinion was going to be stopping Yeah. Him. Yeah, that's amazing. I think um, that's quite common uh, amongst people that want to birth at home is that their partners often hold like a lot of preconceived ideas about um, what is this uh, hippie dippy shit of like birthing at home like why don't you just go to hospital like a, a normal person yeah. um but that's like that's another thing that I'm really excited about this podcast is to shine the light on that anyone can birth at home like it's not it's not hippie it's not alternative it's just another place to give yeah. birth Definitely. as simple as that um, but that's amazing that he still uh, can, as he should, uh, continue to support you in um, going for a birth at home. Um, did he have to do like any prep work around birthing at home um, in the lead up to Banjo's birth? Um, honestly, I think he just preoccupied himself with like physical tasks. So he yeah. just spent a lot of time making sure that he knew how to pump up the birth pool and oh, that's brilliant and you know these kinds of things so that I think that kind of preoccupied his mind a bit yeah. um, and so he had tasks on the day you know like yeah. get me water you know make sure the pool's all done you know do this do that so yeah, um, yeah I I don't I actually haven't talked to him about um, if he did any prep leading up um, yeah. himself outside of what we did done together. But um, yeah. 
it would be interesting to ask him if there was <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool um so whilst uh pat was practicing blowing up balls and things um, and knowing that you gave birth do you say at 38 weeks with noah mm-hmm. yeah 38 yeah so what were you doing in the lead up um to the birth of banjo or the labor and birth of banjo well, like I said, we're in COVID, so I wasn't doing like pregnancy yoga or anything like that that I'd been doing the first time. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of like the spinning babies, like daily exercises at home. Oh, yeah. Banjo did stay breech for um, a little bit longer than we were like hoping for so I did do some um inversions and laying on on the ironing board upside down based on the spinning baby's website yeah I know those feels yep (laughs) (laughs) um not that I was worried about a breech birth but you know our system doesn't allow us to have a breech birth at home so yeah yeah hospital system you're very you know very restricted on your options so you know yeah. trying to get a baby into optimal position was my goal yeah um, you know lots of walking um yeah so and I love acupuncture um I think it's great um so I was going pretty regularly towards the end there just like I like it as a form of like prepping my body um yes yeah. People don't like doing it because they feel like it's trying to naturally induce the baby. But my acupuncturist never was that, like, she was never focusing on those points that potentially could induce baby. It was more just, like, a preparation um, kind of technique for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, um, well, from the stories that I've read, it seems quite a common um thing that people that women seek out and especially in those last weeks just to like relax yeah as well especially if you've gone like through the stress of um pregnancy and all the challenges that you have to overcome just to simply relax Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah, amazing I was also seeing chiropractor as well and you know I have to say just that like I can't remember if I was going I probably was going weekly by the end but that weekly adjustment was just like heaven like yeah pretty bad pelvic um pelvic dysfunction pain uh so just that like nice adjustment would just give me a little bit of relief for you know a day or two after the adjustment and so that in itself it was so worth it (laughs) yeah 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 um with uh Noah did you go into uh labor spontaneously no, so I my warders I uh, had pre labor rupture of membranes with Noah, yeah. um, and I had to wait. I waited. Uh, I think it was just over twenty four hours, maybe before labor actually started by itself. Um, yeah. So, you know, second time round, you know it's not going to be the same. But in your head, you're like, yeah, oh, my waters are going to break. Yeah. But actually, I had more of like a prodromal labor with Banjo. I had like this stop and start, stop and start, like for a good like week or two. Yeah. At 37 weeks, we were all thinking that like baby was not that far away. Like I'd been losing mucus plug and uh, I was having like on an each night, I was kind of getting something that would kind of start. I'd be like, is this it? Is that it? I wasn't getting much sleep because all night it was kind of on and off. And this went on almost two weeks when did this start sorry around 37 weeks yeah um, so we're all like yep I just here we go 
I just have babies early, you know. Yeah. I had a student midwife following me. And so she was living, she'd just moved to Bendigo at this point. So she was like on call. Wow. Never trust a multi. She's just, gosh, I'm going to have to drive from Bendigo and try and make this birth. And so she was just, you know, trying to organize her life around, um, you know, as a being on call, how hard, like, yeah, on call and not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, we, um, kind of was just like, what is going on? This labor's trying to start, but nothing's kind of happening. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I was like 37, no, sorry, 39 plus four. Yep. Um, and that's when I ended up having banjo. But the night before, I had, again, I had this stop-start labour all night. I was having on and off contractions. I was like, this has got to be it. Yeah. And in the morning I was like, Pat got Noah up for the morning and I was like, I'm just going to stay in bed for a bit because I just – I didn't get much sleep last night. I just need to rest. And he's like, that's fine. You yeah. know, I'm down when you're ready. Yeah. It's a Sunday, so everyone's kind of chill. And then I'm just laying there and, you know, rolling about, couldn't get comfortable. And every every time I move around, I get a contraction that just kind of just stays. And I'm just like, what is going on? And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Okay, for hours, I'm getting up for the yeah. day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know this isn't going to be my day. I just need to get over it and get up and get on with it. Yeah. And honestly, as soon as I got up, ah. I it was like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Everyone says, you know, oh, it's so rare to have a day labor. You're more likely to labor, labor at night. So as soon as it hit like 9 a.m., I was like, okay, today's not the day. Maybe yeah. night. And then yeah. but as soon as I got up and started walking around, it was just on. I was like, okay, I think I'm. I think this is for real this time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I kind of just messaged my student straight away because I knew that she was far away. Just yeah. to let her know, um, you know, things were on yeah. and going. Um, and then I think I kind of sent. I think I might have sent my midwife a message just to say I think things are ramping up, but I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, because I also didn't want to get her over too early and then things fizzle out, you know, you kind yeah. of want space for a bit. Yeah. Um, and then so I just kind of just kept walking around. They were coming and going, you know, not too bad, just that early labour kind of, you know, rolling with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can do kind of some other things like in between but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it still like, stops you when you're doing having a contraction. Yeah, just having a, you know, when that contraction comes, just having a little break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, um, yeah. And then I kind of was just pottering around and I, it's funny, I think our bodies know sometimes. I was so stressed in the weeks leading up to birth that we didn't yeah. have curtains in our house. Yeah. And this, we have this huge back sliding door that's just like light coming in. And I was like, yeah. we need to that up what if I go to go into labor during the day it's not dark enough like I was yeah. just here I am like 37 weeks sewing curtains on the oh. <laughs> oh my gosh so convinced that I needed these curtains and yeah. then what do you know ended up in labor during the day so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the curtains you know yeah 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 um so then um Pat's running around you know closing all the curtains and then like a <laughs> 
our windows are oddly shaped and don't have curtains. So he's like pinning and um, sticky taping like sheets to the. Oh my gosh. And trying to make the house as dark as possible because I was all of a sudden become a vampire and was like, oh, the light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm like going in and out of rooms, just trying to find the darkest spot, just trying to do my thing. Yeah. Noah's just playing around at this point. Yeah. Um, and then I I decided that I wanted to have a snack and specifically popcorn. Okay, nice. <laughs> and I'm like literally reaching up to the cupboard to grab this bag of popcorn and I feel a pop. <laughs> oh, look down and there's like a little puddle of water below me and I was just like oh my god oh my gosh <laughs> I don't know if I not only did the popcorn pop but you are so popped oh, me too. <laughs> it's the funniest thing yeah um, and I don't know if I ever ate the popcorn um because things really messed up pretty quickly from wow Actually, from the moment the po- I felt the pop, I rang my midwife straight away and was like, my waters have just broken. Yeah. He's like, are you having contractions? And I was like, oh, I was on and off. And then, like, literally as we're talking about it, I had this hella big contraction. Yeah. And I was like, okay, um, maybe get ready to come over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So uh, you get out of bed at 9 o'clock. When are you popping and popping reckon, popcorn? I reckon that was about uh, midday, so yeah. around. 12 I think I remember looking and I called her around 12 Um, so realistically only a few hours after um, after things kind of started getting going but as soon as that kind of happened things kind of escalated a lot more um I ended up in the shower for a bit which was my happy place um laboring away things were getting pretty hectic you know those ones where you really want to get up on your toes and you're really groaning through it um and then the midwife kind of suggested at this point um you know do you want to get in the pool yeah and they'd kind of filled it up it wasn't warm enough for a baby yet um yeah. but they were working on it and they thought that it would be a good time for me to get in if I wanted to. Yeah. I, I had that worry that maybe I would get in and things would slow down. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of assured, you know, that doesn't really happen with multis. And yeah. you want to get in the pool, you can get in the pool. And I was yeah. like, yeah, right, let's give it a go. Because I hadn't got into the pool at all with my first birth because yeah. of around your water's breaking and getting into the pool. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of just excited to try it and see yeah. what it felt like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was nice, I think. Um, it was a bit cold when I first got in because, as I said, I'm warm enough, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Up to temperature pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to kind of take a bit of that, like, that a bit of relief from, like, the weightlessness. Yeah, that the buoyancy, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just rolled about in the pool for a while. Um, it actually ended up being like quite a long second stage, which is like, I guess, like not as expected for a second time, second timer. Um, things were kind of like a bit slower in the pool. Um, I was changing positions a lot, but, and I could feel, I feel like it was quick for like the head to come down, but it was actually quite slow. It was just a slow process. Yeah. Um, 
Did you have any um, uh, vaginal examinations or anything during this? No. I declined all vaginal examinations. I didn't feel like they were necessary. We had a few... um, had a few Dopplers, which I was happy yep. about, happy to have. Um, yep. And, you know, I was always asked if it was okay for me to, for them to do that and I was always happy um, to have, like, just a little check-in. I, I knew yep. that they were fine, but it's always good to have that reassurance, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And then we kind of – they kind of just – felt at that point that it was probably good um to give me some space yep um so who, who's there at the moment sorry there's the midwife there's pat Noah's also there sorry yeah i probably skipped a bit no no, no. it's fine <laughs> when my waters broke Noah, yep. Pat was putting noah down for a nap yeah um, so pat's upstairs with noah i was by myself when my waters broke um the student had arrived but there's like a rule about the students not being able to come inside until the midwives are there so she was just sitting out the front reading a book um, um and then so my waters had broken um and I rang the midwife and then the midwife basically came straight away and so her and the student had come in um at that point and that's when I'd labored in the shower for a bit and they suggested I move in and then when I was in the pool the backup midwife came so at this point everyone's there no one's asleep uh, but everyone's there supporting me through rolling around in the pool trying to get comfy (laughs) yeah yeah that's amazing what kind of naps had Noah been taking like that point like was he like reliably napping for a decent amount of time or yeah we would normally get like an hour and a half two hours out of him so we kind of we had a bit of time yeah and we're like kind of hopeful that it would kind of just happen while he was um having a nap we did have a backup friend on call in case um he was awake and just not really coping um but we ended up not having to call them because he basically slept through the whole thing wow that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) okay cool so everybody's there you're in the pool and it took so uh did anything slow down in the pool or it just Uh, well look honestly like you never really know because I guess you can't have the same birth twice and know what things made a difference um it could have been the pool that slowed things down but it could have been the fact that I Banjo ended up being a really big baby yeah um, for me and um he was kind of a little bit um like skewed to the like his head was uh, there's a word asyncletic is that the right term <laughs> yeah like their heads just kind of in like a funny yeah he was position. a bit like that there's yep. also we also it's hard to know because we have like a few photos but they're grainy as hell yeah but the wife thinks that thought that she saw a hand by his face when he came out so there's a lot of like things that could have caused it to be a slower descent um yeah. or it could have just been that i was in the pool who knows yeah 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 so it was a bit slower um like the pushing phase was probably like a bit longer than what you'd expect for a multi but nothing out of the the ordinary yeah um, the midwife did have suspicions that maybe there was a hand or it was big or you know but there was never any concerns about anything being wrong um yeah. and so they had given you a bit of space so was yeah, anybody so there was like pat by you or everybody kind of just yeah. backed off a bit 
Yeah, so the midwife grabbed the backup midwife and the student and was like, let's give her some space. And um, so I was just with Pat and that's kind of when I kind of lost my confidence and was like, I can't do this. Like it's taking so long. I can feel his head there, but like what's going on? Why is it taking so long? It shouldn't take this long for a multi. And I think like that expectation that's going to be quick yeah. second time or third time round it can be dangerous sometimes for women because like you expect it to be quick and I mean you yourself I know you went I was gonna say Chantel this story it sounds like you're telling my birth story <laughs> <laughs> um but like you know it's a it, it really is a mental game a lot yeah of and I did get in my head a bit towards the end there that you know I couldn't do it because you know the trauma from the first time being yeah. told basically being told that I couldn't do it myself and then um this time like it struggled like felt like I was struggling and then um in hindsight the midwives like walking out and not communicating that they were giving me some space Uh was probably a bit detrimental to my mental state at the time like I thought they were all going off to have a private midwife meeting and call oh no So I'm freaking out that they're calling an ambulance because something's wrong and then I'm thinking something's wrong, maybe maybe this isn't right, this isn't what it's supposed to happen. So I'm having this bit of a crisis of confidence. Yeah, you Um, can become kind of like vigilant in in so many ways. Like I've had that experience as well where um, like – I guess it's like a, you're like an animal and like your ears kind of are pricked up yes. like because you're feeling more vulnerable and you need to pay extra, extra attention to all of the little noise. And I guess that's why uh, yeah. birthing at home is um, in many ways much easier contro- to control in that respect yeah. because like in, in a hospital setting, for example, you know, you can't control if – um, the buzzers are going off or if a code blue or code whatever is going on mm. and then, you know, you don't know if it's about you or not. Like you're just doing your thing. Exactly. And like I did talk about this honestly with the midwife after um, like post-birth and she did say that, you know, I will take that on board. Like any time that I feel like I need to give women space from now on, I'll let them know that that's what I'm doing so that I don't yeah. like um, – so that fear doesn't come up in them yeah the fear of of that they're abandoning you or they're abandoning your wishes or yeah you know I was carrying along with me kind of reared its ugly head in like the final moments of birth and yeah um so anyway they came back in after giving me some space and honestly like during the end stages of labor my brain kept saying just stand up just stand up but I so wanted so badly to have that water birth I was like I can find a position in the pool where I can have that water birth yeah and they came back in and the second midwife actually said to me Chantal how about you just maybe try a different position what about standing up (gasps) someone saying what I was thinking yeah and that's all it took I was just like all right Pat help me get up and so he helps me stand up and right as I stand up I have this massive contraction and Banjo literally just pops out like oh oh my gosh (laughs) it was this real long contraction that was just like head and body um and it was just like all of a sudden and then the midwife's ah quick who's going (sighs) I'm just like I can't do it like all pregnancy I'd been like I'm catching my own baby yeah yeah I was like I can't do it just grab it (laughs) yeah somebody get it yeah so you were so um were 
were you still standing in the pool or you were yes. stepping out of the pool? No, nah, I was standing in the pool. So did I have a water birth? I don't know. My legs well, weren't. Te- technically, you were in the water. <laughs> I mean, there's no uh, like rule that your whole body has to be in the water. <laughs> so I'm going to call that a water birth. Yeah, we'll go with it. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And so, so did, did Banjo actually go in the water or was no, somebody like, yeah. No. Nah midwife was like speed of light grabbed him like caught him as he's basically falling out of me yeah um so did his like um head come out like and then was there a pause or pretty much it was like zero to 100 one it was honestly one very long contraction and his head and body just were very quick one after the other wow which probably contributed to me having quite a big tear. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, which is what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I guess maybe because I was in that fearful state, I, I can't really remember if I pushed with it or if I let my body do what it, it, it is, but I have a feeling that maybe I did give it a little bit of a helping hand, which probably also contributed to um, it being quick. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Frankie is uh, only 11 weeks old and he's in the carrier on me because that's the only way I could get him to sleep to record this wonderful story with Chantel. <laughs> so if you hear any snoring, it's not me, it's Frankie. Um, yeah, yeah, wow, okay. So basically the midwife catches him and in one swift movement oh. I lift my leg over her arm and the umbilical cord and my baby on one foot. I'm just kind of like spinning around, plant the other foot down and like oh. swiftly take my child and unwrap the umbilical cord from his neck. And then oh, wow. And the midwife was like, I have never seen anything so quick like that in my life. Oh, wow. That's no, like I- such mother's instincts. Like. Yeah. It's like something you'd see in the wild. Like you just your, your your natural instinct kicks in. Like this is what I got to do. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, she didn't like she didn't have time to move in that time that I was just like whoop, 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 grabbed my baby. Wow, that's <laughs> very the, cool. Unwrapped the cord, put him on my chest, and then uh, I think they helped. I, I might have sat down, or they helped me sit down at that point, and then literally the moment that moment that banjo came out and i had him in my arms noah woke up <laughs> oh my gosh so Pat's the stars looking, are aligning i know pat's looking on the the baby cam and you can see noah's awake and he's like ah what do i do wow. and then as soon as i sat down he's like run off upstairs to go get noah yeah um, so <laughs> were you quite loud like during labor like I'm I'm um I was really worried uh with my recent home birth that Murphy if he was home um like and he was asleep or something that I I'm sure I would have woken him up yeah. <laughs> I'm certain right. I would have um yeah. but like were you worried about that with Noah um I think I was but like on when I was like before labor I was but then when I was in labor I I honestly didn't care and I think I was like I was making a lot of moaning and groaning but um it was very like low tone yeah okay so it wasn't like super loud um it's just like yeah more like yeah just a low tone (laughs) yeah 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 not like Um, me (laughs) And you were fine. <laughs> All women are fine, no matter what noises they make. Yeah. Um. 
so yeah, and then so Pat's ran up to get Noah to yep. meet his little baby brother. Yeah, which he was a bit like he Noah always struggled with waking up after a nap. He was always a bit grouchy, so oh. he just stayed on the other side of the room for a while, and he was yep. kind of a bit more confused about like what the heck, who are all these people in my house? And yeah, what's little baby doing. Um, yeah. And so he kind of just kept his space for a bit. Um, He did come over for a cuddle once I was kind of out of the bath and on the couch um, there. Uh, But, yeah, it was a bit of a transition for him. Yeah. And uh, so once you got out of um, the pool with Banjo, um, like in terms of like delayed cord clamping and things like that, how did that, how was your experience for that? Yeah, so uh, obviously we wanted to delay cord clamping. Um, I yep. think that's quite common in most home birthing spaces, and even in like people birthing. Yeah, I think just it's meant. Yeah, it's it's meant to be quite common, like everywhere yeah. now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want it clamped until like the placenta was coming out, uh, but it had been like over an hour, and like the cord was no longer like I. We all felt it. There was no longer pulsing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just wanted to get up and get this plus, see if we could do some things to get this placenta out. Yeah. Um, so we decided at that point to clamp it and cut it. Yeah. Um, and then I got up um, and we did like a few, the midwife suggested a few different things to try and get this placenta out. Uh, so, you know, just like some. <laughs> like crouching and then we ended up on the toilet um, and just doing like some coughing. Um, yep. Could you the- feel like that heaviness at all or not? I don't remember but, you know, it, it possibly. could be a lot yeah. of possibly. Um, yeah. But we ended up catching it in a little um, colander thing on the toilet after nice. doing a few proper coughs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember the midwife going, oh, give me a cough. And I was like, <laughs> and she was like, um, give me a proper cough. <laughs> proper cough. So what did, kind of cough is that? And honestly, it just came out and I just had this, like, phase, like, oh, it just came out. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird feeling. Such a weird feeling. <laughs> um, so one Amazing. That- yeah, and then, um, you know, we checked. We could see that I had a pretty significant tear. Yeah. Um, but they didn't think it was anything more than a second degree, so it was up to me whether I wanted to suture it or not. Yeah. I decided not to. If I could go back and do it again, I probably would have. Um, yeah. Just because, like, having a toddler and a newborn and a house with stairs and trying to keep your legs closed. Yeah. It's just a bit tricky um yeah. and so yeah it did take a long time to heal um so in hindsight I probably would have should have got that um sutured but at the time I thought nah I've got this I trust my body yeah 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 <laughs> it's fine like it healed it's just it took a lot longer than what it would have if I had it sutured I guess yeah um, yeah and then you know we checked placenta everything was looking all good um and then we weighed Banjo and he was a nice, healthy 4.2 kilos. <laughs> Amazing. And you just like shot that out. That That's a, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So um, considering Noah was 3.2 kilos. Yeah, wow. I wasn't expecting it at all. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was kind of, um, yeah. That's we, the birth um, of Banjo. 
the birth of banjo. <laughs> that is very cool. And um, did you get like time to um, be like skin to skin for like breastfeeding yes. and things like yeah. that? So, um, yeah, we stayed on the couch for basically ages skin to skin. Yeah. Um, it wasn't – I gave him over to Pat uh, when I went to cough out the placenta. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, besides that, it was just he was on me skin to skin. Um, and, yeah, we he started feeding pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Nice chunky boy, wanted his milk. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have um, breastfeeding um, – challenges I guess like outside of the normal challenges um, yeah. with Noah yes yeah, so Noah um had a tongue tie um yep. which I know in itself can be a bit controversial but yep. um you run in our family back to my nana had a baby with a tongue tie yeah um and yeah so I kind of was like new to look out for it but his was very obvious so um we we had to get that like we got that we chose to get that revised yeah um, which yeah it's it's a tricky one you never know what the right thing to do is and I think I've been very lucky that I've always had like an oversupply of milk so yeah there wasn't there normally when a baby has a tongue tie there's this issue of like they don't like a low they're not getting enough yeah they're not getting enough but because I had this oversupply people were like do we don't we your baby's obviously getting enough like, well I don't want to risk getting to that point where it's not hormonal anymore yeah. and then ending up with a low supply because he can't like suck efficiently like yeah. let's not worry about my supply at the moment because it's hormonal we don't know what's going to happen um so we did end up revising it and then Banjo was the same. He had a tongue tie as well. Yeah. Um, and we ended up getting that revised pretty early on as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's Frank is just ignoring away. Yeah, he's like, he's like really still on the show right now. I've tried to move him in so many different ways. But anyway, enjoy the ambience of Frankie snoring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think like the second time around – like you kind of know positioning better you know although I have to admit like my positioning was pretty um dodgy the first few days because I was so used to feeding like a toddler yeah has a lazy latch and can latch on at any angle and then all of a sudden you've got this new newborn and you've got to try and remember okay got to keep them closed got to get all the positioning right so um you know, once you get back to basics and doing that, I felt like it was pretty a straightforward kind of thing second time around, thankfully. Yeah. Um, I did have – I was still feeding Noah at that point as well. So, wow. Um, I was very thankful to have a toddler to ta- kind of um, do some of those feeds when the milk comes in. And, oh, yeah. my, oh, my gosh. I had never thought about that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was very handy. Um I'm still going through like breast pads and like the I really want to use uh, reusable breast pads, but it just can't contain the letdown. <laughs> but that's so cool. I had never thought about that. Yeah, so that was like one of the big positives of tandem feeding. Yeah. In the sense that like um, toddlers do have different latches and then you've got to manage their emotions when you have to say, oh, sorry, like oh. you need to feed the baby. And so, you know, there's – Another other layers when you do tandem feeding that um, can be a bit tricky to navigate. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, it, it worked out, I guess. In, in yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, did you, like, can you, I feel like I'm being very, like, naive or something, but can you feed them, like, at the same time? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, for sure, yeah. I have some photos of them both, but like, in the mm. early days, both feeding yeah. at the same time. <laughs> that is so special. That yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, it wow. is. Wow. Um, and how was your recovery? Like, what was your recovery like? Especially if you didn't have the stitches, you you said that you found it tricky. Yeah, I think that was probably the hardest part about Banjo's birth was the postpartum recovery. Um, because I did, because I didn't have it sutured, I kind of needed to stay with my legs together as much as possible, which kind of meant being like bedridden longer than I was kind of hoping. Um, Yeah which is also very hard when you have a toddler. Yeah. Um, so luckily Pat has a really good uh, like parental leave from his work, so he was able to take a fair bit of time off. Yeah. Um, and he did have to extend it by a few weeks from memory just because I was still struggling a yeah. bit with this tear. Um, and it did – I think it did impact the dynamic in the house a little bit um, with, like, me mainly being in the bedroom with Banjo, not being able to, like, run around and play with Noah. Um, yeah. It probably made his transition to having a brother a bit harder. Yeah. Um, so, again, like, in hindsight, you know, if I was to have another baby and have, like, a tear like that, I probably would get it sutured just to try and make the whole process a little bit smoother. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's all hindsight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I guess touching touching on that, um, in – um, if, if you were to have future babies, you would have a home birth again? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And is there anything that straight away comes to mind, I guess, in terms of um, labour prep, birth prep, mm-hmm. that you would do differently? Um, preparation. Apart from make sure you have curtains? Yes. <laughs> um, I think I would just, like, probably prepare for different um, birthing in different spaces and trying to just, like, figure out ways to keep myself in tune with my body I think because I really desperately wanted that you know picturesque water birth that you see all over Instagram that I was so so tied to trying to stay in the water that I kind of had lost that intuition to listen to my body and I feel like if I had just stood up and birthed in that upright position um earlier that it would have been a quicker birth and maybe I would have avoided that fearful state that I had towards the end of the labor yeah. uh, so I think like next time I'll just prepare my house for it with a few more different spaces that I can birth in maybe some you know floor mats somewhere with a birth ball and you know preparing yeah shower also maybe having the pool but honestly I don't know maybe I've just like turned myself off birthing in a pool yeah 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 um kind of just preparing myself with more stations I guess yeah and I guess so much about birthing at home is like having you know this toolbox of like um like in terms of pain but in terms of other things as well you know having all of these options um that you can use if you need but you don't have to use if you don't need kind of thing yeah I think that's yeah good good advice 
Um, <laughs> do you uh, have like a favorite moment or something from Bandro's birth? Um, I often like think back to when I was in the shower by myself and just like I felt so strong, like standing there working through my pain and, you know, at this point, like how I understand my, I probably would have been very close to becoming like that, you know, that hectic part where leading up to dilation and transition and it's just intense and yeah. so I think I was in that phase of my labour and I just remember feeling, I've got this, I'm strong, I'm powerful, you know, like I can do this, I'm doing this, I'm at home having my baby, I feel safe, you know, um, and I often think back to that those that brief time when I was in the shower by myself just rocking it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think um, that that's something very important as well as like these affirmations. I mean, affirmations just in life is helpful, but yeah. at least for, yeah, in my experience, like having those affirmations that, you know, I am strong, I can do this, I am doing this right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, um, it definitely does help um, yeah. get you through those like moments where it is a bit tough. Yeah. And I feel like, like labor because you're so vulnerable, it's so easy to get out of that, like that mindset of knowing that you can do this. Um, yeah. Depending on what happens in the environment around you, which I guess is like the whole reason why going to a hospital can be so detrimental because you're just moving into this like yeah environment. But um yeah, like it is just so easy to kind of um, get taken out of that space. So just preparing yourself in that sense, I think, is just so important. Um, yeah. You know, maybe this isn't working here. Before I get frazzled, let's try something else, you know. Yeah. Communicate with like I think with birthing at home, you also know your space. You know that you can just yeah. run to the shower or run to the toilet or, um, you know, you can say, hey, Pat, go and test out your pool blowing up skills. Um, yeah. But in, yeah, in uh, more medicalized environments, it's like you can't just like request that somebody go and get the pool ready for you right now. And, um, yeah. you know, in my experience as a student midwife uh, in, I'm not sure what it's like in Victoria, but, or Victorian hospitals, but, I remember that um, there was two birth suites connected to each other and there was only one shower. And so if one of the ladies was where, was using the shower, the other uh, woman couldn't use the shower. Um, so, like, you just have so much control, much more control over your space when you're at home. For sure. Um, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story with me. Having me, yeah, and yeah, I hope all of our listeners um, have enjoyed hearing about the birth of Banjo at home. Um, yes. yes, it was a water birth, Chantelle. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, giving that to you. Um, yeah, and thank you for being my first podcast <laughs> attendee. I don't know. <laughs> you brought that. My podcast guest. Yes. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we can have you on again sometime and you can talk about um, maybe some student midwife um, 
perspectives as well. Yeah.